Welcome to the Gospel Lifeline proje- Project Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matt Statler. And I'm Robert Kale. And we are excited to get this podcast out. Let me tell you why. <laughs> what you don't see is that this is the third attempt. Uh, man, it has been a morning. But nonetheless, this intro should be pretty uh, ironed out for everybody. So we're going to go right in. <laughs> uh, we want to talk about the church over the next couple of weeks. Um, Robert's going to express that a little more in detail. But before we get into that, there's been a specific uh, news report that's been all on all of our hearts as of recently. Um, I don't know how involved in, um, you are in watching the news, whoever's listening out there. But recently we've had a pastor named Pastor James Coates out of Alberta, Canada, who has been arrested for holding church services at capacity. And so, and, and even a little above capacity, I think was actually, uh, one of the issues, but nonetheless, this pastor felt compelled, felt called by God to have his whole church at these services, um, to conduct a service on Sunday on the Lord's day. And for that, he's been arrested. He's being tried criminally, uh, to my knowledge. And, uh, that's setting a very interesting precedent for religious liberty or against religious liberty that you can try criminally um, on cases like this. But this, the question is uh, that we're kind of trying to wrap our heads around is, man, what would lead a pastor to ignore COVID-19 mandates in that way, which we're not saying is right or wrong, uh, there's a conscious issue here, right? And uh, there's conviction involved. But what we are saying is, what would lead a pastor to hold his services where he wants and desires the whole body of Christ that God has appointed him to to shepherd over to be on the Lord's day together worshiping God? What would lead him to defy all of these things and uh, to submit um to Christ in this way. Matt, what are what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about this, yeah, my, my audio is working today, so we're good to go. Um, I'm not silenced like they are trying to silence James Coates, right? Um, poor poor James. Um, you know, whether whether or not I don't know the political situation in Canada. I don't understand their their laws. They don't have the same constitution that we do in America. So I'm not speaking as some kind of political pundit here. All I know is that a man felt convicted to bring his whole church together and preach the word to them um, as, as much as possible. And I've seen a lot of pushback from Christians who say, well, the church is in a building. You don't have to gather together. We could do video and we have all these other things. But this man was very convicted that he needed to preach the word to his whole family, his whole congregation. And that if that, that, that whole concept of preaching the word to a group of people assembled together um, became something that the government was against because it was um, against their their mandates, which were not laws legislatively designed, but they were just mandates from the health department saying that this shouldn't be. And so he was placed into isolation. He was um, chained up. They put like handcuffs on him and 
ankle ankle cuffs on him and they they went like as a, a heart looked up treated him like a hardened criminal and this is a very bad pr stunt for the for the canadians because you got the the mounties arresting a, a pastor uh, for preaching the word and so what makes someone convicted about that and and i heard an interview by his wife and his wife was saying that they had shut down for the first 90 days because nobody knew what was going on with the the virus how deadly it was and as that progressed they started recognizing that the the cure that people were presenting was worse than the pandemic. The mental health toll was beginning to cause um, friends of theirs to commit suicide, to be depressed, to have anxiety. And they, they are such a family. They said, we cannot be separate from our family. And um, that isolation is a killer. And that's what we're seeing. Neil, you had some, some information on that isolation business. Yeah. Um, uh, we were looking at some reports and some t- statistics. We'll we'll try to find that and get that into the show notes uh, for you guys. But basically, what they did was, or what this research group did, is they took every group within America specifically and just looked at their mental health, their emotional health, and try to track whether or not they increased, decreased, stayed the same during this 2020 pandemic. And uh, what they found was every single group, except for one, declined in their mental health and their emotional health during this last year. The only group that did not decline, but in fact increased, that got better, was those who attend church services weekly, religious services weekly. And so, I mean, that, that draws out this really fascinating point. And, and I think it's... The, the pandemic and God's mercy has kind of shown this uh, more explicitly to us. Um, but that's that isolation um, breeds destruction in your life, breeds decay. Uh, in fact, you know, Peter tells us in first Peter five, a, as he's um, speaking to believers and he's trying to educate them about the enemy that they're fighting against. He says to be sober minded, to be watchful, why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. And so, man, I'm a I'm a big fan of you know Discovery and Nat Geo. I know Matt's from Africa, so he's the resident expert on all things uh, safari related. So I'm sure he'll add his two cents here in a second. But <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you watch uh, how lions hunt, you know, they'll they'll prowl around, they'll stay low in the grass, you know, and as they come up on a herd of gazelle, if they find one who's isolated, who's separate from the group, from the herd, that's the one they want to attack. And so what we're what we're seeing in this spiritual war that we're involved in is for those who are disconnected from the church, from the local church. Um, man, man, the enemy's having a field day and he's running through these isolated gazelles and uh, with ease. And so, man, we've just felt compelled to talk about the church, uh, do a series on the church, the local church. And, uh, uh, Robert's going to kind of give us a, a, a fuller picture of what we're going to discuss over the next three episodes. 
Yeah. So before I do that, just real quick too, just to add in <clears throat> kind of to the situation with the pastor that's, uh, you know, in jail right now up in Canada, I think too, it's, it's important to, to, to note that if you were to think about the pandemic as a whole, and we see lots of stories on Facebook, the news, uh, it's even on the TV shows now that we're watching in cable TV or whatever, how badly the pandemic is affecting everybody one because it's a virus and it's it's killing people and that's that's the truth but also because it's keeping people from seeing the ones that they love right so you might live in california and your mom might live in new york and and trying to get to her for any reason whether she's sick or not is is hard to do right now because you have to think about um am i going to get my mom sick is my mom going to get me sick am i going to get sick from others am i going to make others sick and and the whole hoopla on trying to quarantine for 2 weeks before you go to another place and so we're missing a lot of things with our families and those things are affecting our mental health and uh again it's causing um an accidental isolation right or a an isolation that's uh you know un un can't get away from it. And so it's the same with church, right? I know for me in California, before I moved to Mississippi, that first 90 day lockdown, uh, the same thing that that church in Canada did, my church did the same thing. We shut down because nobody knew what was going on and we wanted to make sure we were doing the right thing and, and obeying the government and things like that. And during that 90 days, even though being with my wife and my daughter, which is a blessing, I love them very much. All three of us made statements when we were watching church on a, on a, Facebook Live or a Zoom, that it's not the same. We missed being in a, the physical presence of the people that we love out in our community. And that's that's how you do life with people is with people, right? I don't see um, how it's possible to get the same kind of uh, life living experience with the people you love through a computer screen, through a phone screen, or even just on a regular phone call. Now, those things are God's graces in our life. And it did make it so we could have something rather than nothing. Um, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that, but you cannot underestimate the value of being together in the physical, um, location and living life out and being able to do those things that we do physically together. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's difficult. And what, who knows if this pastor did the right thing or not? Um, I would have done the same thing. That's just me. Um, and that's just because I know that mental health, like that pastor's wife said, the mental health is getting affected. And what is the job of that pastor? His job is to shepherd his flock and take care of them. And we'll flush that out as well. But we're going to do a three-part series. And uh, we're going to we're gonna call it Church, Some Assembly Required. Today will be part one. And we're going to talk about um, what does the Bible say about church. And we're going to kind of define that uh, and lay that out for you guys so we know exactly what church is from a big picture and from a local church uh, picture, uh, local in your city or your neighborhood. And uh, I, I really like the title of this, uh, Some Assembly Required. That was something that Neil came up with cleverly. Myself and Matt aren't that smart uh, to come up with stuff that clever, but, uh, we'll, we'll go with it and we get to be a part of the podcast. So we get to take a one third ownership of that title. <laughs> right. <One-third> ownership. <laughs> Copyright. That's yeah. great. Uh, but before we start make, uh, you know, defining terms and, and doing all the, the educators kind of stuff, um, Matt, what's, what's been your experience, uh, in the local church? Not, not specifically as a pastor, but, um, Man, more as like on a congregational level, being a part, being you know, serving, 
and being involved in a local church. As I've uh, as I've been considering this topic, I I grew up in Senegal. My parents were missionaries there, and the local church was so important to many of the um, early converts in the Senegalese church, where my parents were serving in that village, that they were they were well willing to forsake their own families in order to do that. They would be starved by their family. They would be beat if any time they went to church. They would make them try to stay up all night before not you know so they would be too tired to go and. And these people would literally faint in the church church doors because they had been starved to death by their families. And so I you know, always had that in the back of my mind. But when I joined the military and I was only concerned about my career and myself and what was going on in my life, um, the church really didn't become that important to me. And my faith really faltered um, as I was focusing in on what I wanted to do. And so when God began to, to soften my heart and to call me back to him, I found a church in um, in Temple, Texas, where we were living, and I began to attend. And then I was like, you know, it would be really great if I could serve some way. And I said, you know what's, you know what my speed is? Parking lot detail. So I would go and I would help out in the parking lot. I'd like carry a little umbrella and help the old ladies get in. And I would run and help, you know, the the moms with all the um, all the the baggage. And I'll try to bring that in and just try to make things easier on those coming to park. And um, as I began to serve, I also got involved with the prayer ministry. And through the prayer ministry and the service, man, my heart just began to soften. Um, the time I spent with church members and, and other believers in Christ, my faith really began to flourish. And so for me, um, it was life-saving because I was like one of those gazelles or those zebras off on my own. And what's interesting about that idea of the zebras is that their stripes make it difficult for the the lion to actually identify a single unit. So even the fast one that's way advanced before all the zebras, the lion are going to take them out or the one that's straggling. So you may think you're a strong Christian on your own, um, you know, breaking bush by yourself, but it's very likely that you are a target for one of those lions that we, we talked about. We know that in First Peter it says Satan is a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's what they would do. They would roar, chase the zebra forward or the gazelle, and then whoever kind of separated from the group, they would they would devour. And so it really is dear near and dear to my heart that we recognize what the church is. And I think Pastor uh, Coates from, from Canada really reveals something in um, Christianity that we don't have a good understanding of what the church is and the value of the church. And that's, that's kind of why I think we need to start working on some definitions, Neil. Yeah. So, uh, there's a lot of great, uh, definitions. Greg Allison, uh, he's a systematic theologian at, uh, Southern, uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but, um, I'd encourage you guys to look at what he's written on the doctrine of the church, but, um, I kind of reworked a definition I've found on the Gospel Coalition. And so there's kind of two pictures. So we're going to go wide and then come in come in tight because where, where we want to focus over the next three episodes is more on the local church uh, elements and, and the benefits of those things, right? But um, so starting wide, we, uh, we could say that the church at large is the assembling of everyone or all believers throughout history uh, 
and in the future who belong to Christ's new covenant and in this kingdom of heaven. Um, so that's that would be like the wide, large picture of the church, capital C church, maybe we could say. Um, and then for the local church, a local church is a mutually affirming group of new covenant members and kingdom citizens identified by regular gathering together in Jesus's name through the preaching of the gospel and the celebration of, of the ordinances. And so, so we have this wide picture and then we have this tight picture for community purposes, right? So I, I think it's really vital that we point out that a part of the church body that that um, all people who have followed Christ, who believed in him, who have been bought by Christ, that the Father has given these people to Jesus. And Jesus uh, is the shepherd and the head over these people throughout history and uh, what is coming in the future. Um, man, that's the church, right? The capital C church. But then as we hone in into our specific cities and towns and in areas of occupation. Now there's another element, right? And that's the local element. And so, uh, Matt, how would you kind of carve up this or actually not Matt, not Matt, Robert, how would you carve up this local church, uh, dynamic? Um, what are the ordinances? Uh, what, what are, what are, uh, where do we get unity? Uh, to come together and to worship together in a local church. Cause there's so many, right? There's like a, it, I'm in the South, right? So there's a church on every corner. So what, like, how do we figure out, like, where do we unify all that kind of, all that kind of stuff, generally speaking? Yeah. So I think that, you know, and, and I'm with you too, Neil, I live in the South as well. And man, there's a church not only on every corner, but there's like seven churches on every block. So <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's a big deal. But what I would say is that, you know, and we'll talk about this in, in the next episode as well, more in depth, but as a broad stroke, there are multiple denominations, there are multiple theological views, there are multiple confessions of faith, there are, um, and, and, and so what you need to do is you need to be prayerful about it. You have to go to the Lord in prayer and you have to say, I, I want to be a part of the body because I see that it's important in scripture. We're told in Hebrews, right? 10, 24 to 25, that we should be meeting regularly. We should be assembling. We shouldn't forsake it. And we do that. Why? So that we can help each other, so that we can push each other forward, so that we can support each other. Um, and so that we can, um, you know, do life together, right? That's why, that's why it's called assembling. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake assembling. You can't assemble without hanging out together. You can't assemble by yourself in your house. Um, and you can't assemble with just you, your wife and, and, and your daughter and call that church and, and think that it's going to be okay. Um, and I think that once you find that, um, the church that you think would fit your family, you, you, you go to a church, you, you, visit there. And I would say, you know, I know myself and Neil have talked a lot about this, especially with, you know, the guys at Mighty Oaks and stuff that give a church a month, you know, four Sundays, that way you can get a big picture. You can get a good feel of what's going on there and how they worship, how they believe, what the pastor's preaching from the pulpit. Um, and again, this is broad stroke guys. I know that, um, you know, we'll get more in depth as we go throughout this series, but 
that's all important because once you make that decision to become a member and to join to this church and to be a part, like what Neil said in that um, definition, a mutual affirming group of new covenant members, then man, that's a serious commitment and, and it needs to be something that you're ready to align yourself with. And how do we know what we need to align ourselves with, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, you know, this, that, the other, all these other denominations. Uh, we aren't here to tell you which denomination to choose. We're not going to say one's good, one's bad, whatever, whatever. I would just tell you if what they're preaching and what they're believing in their statement of faith, if it's backed by the Bible, then I, I would say you're doing okay. If it is not backed by the Bible, and by that I mean if they cannot back it with particular scripture saying why they believe and do what they do, then you might need to look elsewhere. And um, in the next episode, we're going to talk in depth on how to find good churches, how to find churches that are biblical and that do things according to scripture, not according to their own beliefs or agenda. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Neil. Yeah. So um, kind of what Robert <laughs> is saying is, you know, we unify over what we believe about God and, and his scriptures, right? And the gospel. And, uh, you know, so what does that take? That takes knowing the word, uh, seeking the Lord's face in his word. And so that we're able to kind of uh, make those discerning judgments like Robert's talking about as we navigate church to church. And, um, you know, um, a lot of a lot of folks and will take things out of context or uh, specific verses to slap on the side of one doctrine <laughs> and then make it a whole main issue in the church. And so that that's why it takes us being saturated in the word. But so as we're unified in the church, um, we understand that the church is vital for the Christian walk in life. And so um, Matt kind of give tease that. Out. I know you had a couple of things you want to say on the back stuff, but tease out what it looks like or why, why is the church specifically important for the Christian walk in the Christian life? Because we yeah, hear, like, yeah. we hear, right. People say, well, the Bible didn't tell me to go be a member of a local church, you know? So, so why, you know, what does the Bible say, Matt? Yes, absolutely. What does the Bible say? Well, so Ephesians four, um, starting in verse 11, it says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Man, this is like the start of sanctification for many Christians. So before I got married, I did not realize how selfish of a person I was until I got married. And by being with my spouse and learning to live with another person, a lot of the rough edges of my selfishness were, were sheared off just through the physical bumping against each other in life. Um, and so that's the same thing with the church. 
is it's only in the church where you get these different demographics, these different beliefs, these different selfish levels of deceit and selfishness where people are running into each other and learning how to deal with that. And that's really about maturity, right? Because we see that those that are unhitched from the local church are more prone to falling for any other doctrine that just comes along or, or even sounds good to them. And there's no one to, to test them against. Right. And so I, we don't, in the new Testament, we don't see any believer unhitched from the church. They are all part of the church. And this, this is an important concept for us um, as we grow and as we become sanctified, as we become more holy, as we learn about growing in our faith and our walk of life and our walk of faith is to have other believers that are below us in the direction not necessarily below us in um, importance, but maybe they're a little bit behind us in understanding. And then those that are before us who have gone before and suffered the same experiences. Um, I am learning so much from some of the men in my congregation who have experienced the loss of a spouse. I am learning about grief in new and powerful ways that I never would have experienced um, without that. And so their knowledge is passed down to me making us a stronger body it's kind of you know i always think about this oh we don't need to assemble concept like we're just chopping our pieces off of our body and saying well i don't need my hand today i don't need my foot today i don't need my head today we're only going to bring the head and the foot together and then those parts will meet and then we'll bring another part and that's what it looks like when you're just piecemealing the assembly um that we're called to gather together for that reason Hmm. um so, yeah, this this passage is really the start of a beautiful description of the bride of Christ and what we are to look like. So our spiritual growth, you're saying, Matt, is unfathomably hindered if we're not connected to the local church body. Not only that, Neil. So when we speak about mental health and spiritual health, in many ways, those two are combined. Um, when the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about the cognitive, the affective, and the volitional, which means the thinking, the, the feeling, and the doing. Right. And so when you think about the thinking part of your heart, that's what we call mental health. I mean, and I, I can pull up the Mayo Clinic and some of the other folks who have given definitions, and essentially it's the thinking part of your body, your, 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 your mind. And so when we think about mental health, we're speaking about spiritual health as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the idea of sanctification or being made holy or, or progressing in the Christian faith is also about our spiritual growth, our mental health growth. And so when we think about this, that really clears up why we need to gather. That, that really explains the statistics out there that say the only people— who are progressing mentally in a pandemic are those who are regular church attenders. And so what a, what a wonderful benefit the church is to our spiritual and mental well-being. And that's not why we attend it, right? We don't go to get um, therapy at church, but we receive a healthier body, a healthier mind through the process that is described here in dealing with people we don't like. Robert. Yeah, I think too, you know, and I've been reading uh, Joe Thorne's three books that he wrote 
you know, the heart of the church, the character of the church and the life of the church and in, and in the heart of the church. And it, that book is covering what is a church, what's happening in a church. He says that there's five essential areas uh, to consider in a healthy and a, in a true church. And, and it goes right into what you're saying about personal growth, sanctification, the mental and, and physical and emotional health of the members of the church. And he says those five areas are the right preaching of scripture, the proper administration of the ordinances, the development of biblical leadership, the grace, gracious implementation of church discipline, and a clear focus on the mission that Jesus gave the church. Mm-hmm. And in those five areas, you wrap all those five areas up into your Christian walk. And what do you have? You have personal growth. You have sanctification happening. You have being in the word. You have being in prayer. You have people holding you accountable because you're getting discipled properly. And therefore what your heart, what you talked about, you know, the, the feeling and the doing and the thinking part of your heart is getting fed and equipped correctly. And that's, you know, when I hear personal growth and, and sanctification in church, I immediately think of this Ephesians passage because I love how it just says that it's for the equipping. We right. need to be equipped. We need to be given the tools because if we were meant to do Christianity by ourselves outside of a body to equip us, then we wouldn't have verses like that that tell us to go somewhere to get equipped. We could just go do it by ourselves. Yeah. And then we're getting equipped to do something, right? And, you know, you pointed out that the church has a mission. Every local church has the same mission, and that is to go into the world and make disciples uh, and teaching them all that Christ has commanded us. Right. Um, And so, man, that local church is making an impact for the kingdom in their perspective towns and cities and providences or however it's divided up, you know. And then grows out from there. And, and you know, the, the comment that happens a lot is that, man, there's no, uh, no Bible verse that says to be a church member or, or things like that. I think um, I don't I, I would probably take the stance that, it, yeah, you know, not verbatim like the way you want it to be said, but it is assumed throughout the New Testament. You know, in fact, every letter that Paul writes is to a local church in a prospective place that he's reminding them of the gospel, that he's giving them commands. He's treating the body specifically to their issues. I mean, read First Corinthians. There's some mess happening, right? And he's dealing with it directly. He's not dealing with the church in Ephesus, essentially, in the same manner, um, but he's specific to that local body of believers in his letters. Not only that, you know, in Hebrews, um, and Robert quoted this earlier, but man, we, we see texts in Hebrews 10 that tells us, let us not forsake, (laughs) you know, our faith, our confession. Uh, why? Because we waver when we're not together. And it says, let us stir one another on towards love and good works. Let us not neglect assembling together as is the habit of some. So it's this, it's this communal language consistently uh, throughout the New Testament when we're specifically talking about these different local church contexts. And, um, and, then, and then to go back to the Ephesians 4 passage, right? And then you have these, these ministerial gifts given to you know, pastors and missionaries and evangelists and all those things, right? 
um, to equip the saints. Well, how are they to know what saints to equip? Do we just run around? <laughs> no, we don't just run around. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Let me equip you real fast. Like <laughs> that's, that's asinine, right? Yeah. No, but we're we're to equip a body. In fact, Peter says that God calls these shepherds to guard this flock. And then later it says that we give an account for those people. Who do we give an account to? God. <laughs> and so there's this there's this responsibility element for the pastor. He's got to know who his sheep are, who God has entrusted him to, and he has to be intentional about equipping them and 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 ascending them out to do this mission that Christ has given the church at large and within their local context. Matt, as we uh, as we begin to kind of wrap this up um, for today, and then we'll go into how to find a good church later. We uh, at our church, we, we call it meaningful church membership, right? And we really want to recapture the essence of what Neil just said, right? I have to give an account for every member of my congregation. I specifically pray for every member of my congregation. Um, and if I don't know the struggles that they are going through, if I don't see them at least face to mask or mask to mask, and they are not able to really be comfortable to share with me what is the struggle in their life, it's going to limit my prayers for them. Right. Now, that's a responsibility that I have, and and I and we have the technology that's wonderful. We can call, we can reach out, um, but just as we've seen with this conversation, we've had to record, re-record this like three or four times because the internet has failed us or this has failed us, and, and we can't have the same face-to-face real conversation. How am I supposed to comfort a grieving widow or widower if I'm not able to to wrap my arm around the side and just pray and cry with them, right? right? And and that's what we as the, the body of believers are called to do. And we don't need Pavlov's, you know, hierarchy of needs or, or any of these psychological um, paradigms to, to figure out how this works because we see it in the garden. What did Satan attack in the garden? He broke up the first marriage as quickly and easily as he could. And so that's what we see is that uh, man and woman began to blame and shame each other right from the get-go. And that's what Satan would like to do. He would like to disrupt any type of gathering of believers. And so we as Christians are called to fight by gathering. And that's, that's a really important aspect um, any last words that you have, Robert? Yeah, I think, you know, you're talking about we do life together, right? And so one of the benefits that we have for church, you know, from church as believers is the one another ministry, right? And we see that <clears throat> there's about 59 one another commands in scripture, and they talk about things like love one another, bear one another's burdens, be hospitable to one another. Um, I'll add it to the show notes. There's a book uh, that we often use for this. Uh, It's called 31 Ways to Be a One Another Christian by Dr. Stuart Scott. And I'll add that to the show notes. And, you know, I I think my favorite one is is bear one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. And what that doesn't mean is, is that we have to take on everything in your life and do it for you. No, what it means is we need to do it with you, Matt. 
one of the best ways to carry one another's burdens is to weep with those who weep, right? right? And just listen and be there. Put your arm around them, love them, pray with them, and and not try to compare stories or fix it for them. Um, <clears throat> but another way to bear burdens too, right, is to help people in a time of need. And I think that that is seen across the United States and churches, whether it's by donating money to people who are hungry, helping uh, congregants who, you know, lose their jobs to take, to make sure they can pay their mortgage. So their family's not homeless, um, uh, food ministries. Uh, I know at my church, if, if, a, if a woman has a baby, the women in the church gather around her and try to provide her a week's worth of meals when she comes home from the hospital. Why? Uh, I, I believe they call it benevolence, right? So that you're not having to do those things when you get home with the new baby, cause you got a whole mess of other things on your plate right now. Yeah. And so, I know when I was moving from California to Mississippi, uh, you know, I had located a church. I'd been in contact with the pastor and, uh, you know, even went out there and visited the church while we were looking at the house to buy it. And when I showed up in Mississippi with a truck, a, a full-size U-Haul loaded down with stuff, they showed up in the cold of the night at 8 o'clock at night in the dark and helped me unload that truck, whereas it would have taken me and my wife you know, four or five, six hours by ourselves. It took us an hour and a half. The truck was completely unloaded. And oh, by the way, they even asked us, what room can we put these things in? They brought us a meal so we didn't have to cook. They loved on us. They told us they were glad that we were there. And they've continued to make us feel welcome all throughout the process of us transitioning. Um, And I just think that, you know, if you're not in a local church right now, um, you know, you're missing out on that kind of ministry if you're a believer. And man, I would just feel guilty, not not just to God, right? And that's the most important. I would feel guilty because I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I see it scripturally, like Neil said, that we need to be a part of a church. We need to assemble together. But I would feel guilty for other people because I, I would be robbing them the opportunity to do some of these one another type ministries. And so um, I would just encourage you guys to to think about that and um, you know, Neil, what do you, what do you think about, you know, giving these guys a challenge today that the listeners. Yeah, totally. Um, man, I just want to ta- challenge you. Well, I, let me point this out, uh, because maybe there's this idea that you can assemble virtually. Um, it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, and the elders can lay hands on you, can pray with you. The members can, um, like what what Robert was describing, these various ministries of mercy can <laughs> exhibit mercy and carry these things with you and uh, walk with you and pour into your children um, and all those things. And I would say to you that, man, that you desperately need the church. And um, if you're a believer, the church desperately needs you. And mm-hmm. don't don't you you are a vital <clears throat> part that God has saved you. Christ has called you into a community. He didn't save you into isolation. And so the challenge is this, man, come out of isolation and find a good church. Get involved in a local body of believers. If if you have, you know, church hurt, there's this massive obstacle or, um, man, you're, you're unsure in your area of good churches, uh, because you've you've seen so much crazy doctrine and preaching in the past or or maybe it's 
maybe it's that you had a you had a, a bad experience with um, people who really were unwelcoming and uh, uncaring or you're struggling. No one came to your aid or, you know, I, I'll tell you this, man, the church is full of sinners and, and we're going to make mistakes like but we're we're the reason we don't <laughs> neglect assembling together is so that we can continue to grow into the image of Christ and do those things better. And so don't give up, keep pushing forward. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be, we'll be addressing some of those things. Like what, what do you look for in a church? Like what is a good church? And what, what about that church hurt stuff? How do we deal with it? How do we walk forward? So we're going to address some of those things in depth. Um, but I want to just encourage you, man, Sunday morning's coming. Make the decision today. Go to church. Guys, we appreciate you guys listening to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Project. Peace.